Well, hello everyone. Alexis Brooks here from Higher Journeys, back finally with another episode of Conscious Commentary. And I say finally because if if you all have been looking for the show, both this show as well as our regular Higher Journeys broadcast, we have been off for a couple of weeks um, for good reason, I think, because we headed out to California to California, I should say, to cover the sixth annual Contact in the Desert. And I dare say, and you may be able to tell by the fact that my voice is a little on the lower side, I'm going to keep it low uh, today because we did so much talking. I I certainly did, uh, both doing shows out there as well as introducing some speakers. Let me tell you, folks, this was an event like none other. I want to, uh, before we get started with today's episode, just give my heartfelt thanks, appreciation, and kudos to Victoria Gavoyan, my friend uh, and colleague and the uh, co-producer and owner of uh, Contact in the Desert, and of course, the work of her partner, Paul, and everyone, so many individuals uh, involved to pull off such a huge event. And when I say huge, I'm hearing rumors that the numbers are... Ooh, maybe in excess of 5,000, clearly the biggest uh, CITD we have seen to date. So again, thanks so much to everyone who was involved in putting this great event together. I had a blast, to say the least. And uh, stand by, everybody. We're going to have a few great shows to deliver to you uh, uh, that we did on location at Contact in the Desert. You know, it's interesting that I was thinking about this before we headed out to California, for whatever reason, call it irony, or I would call it just kind of a tricky synchronicity. Every single time I head out to the West Coast, it seems, uh, typically for work, there's always some breaking news. I, I, I've just kind of noticed this. There's obviously no explanation for it. I, I can go back and think of several things that have occurred Um while out in the West Coast that were considered breaking news stories. And, you know, before we left for for uh, for the West Coast, I thought to myself, okay, if this is a trend here, and again, no explanation, how many things do we have explanations for ultimately? But I I thought to myself, okay, what's going to be breaking this time? I didn't focus on it too much. But uh, certainly it crossed my mind. And lo and behold, it was June fifth. Uh, I believe the day we were heading back, we were we were in uh, the Palm Springs or Indian Wells area for the better part of the day, and then heading back to L.A. to catch a flight back to Boston, June fifth. And that, of course, is when uh, we all heard the news of uh, famed fashion designer Kate Spade, who allegedly uh, committed suicide via hanging at the age of fifty-five. Very sad. And then, of course, three days later. Two days later, two or three days later, June 8th, Anthony Bourdain, famed chef and CNN uh, host of Parts Unknown, several uh, shows, but uh, most recently Parts Unknown, I believe, uh, at the age of 61, allegedly by suicide and allegedly also by hanging. Now, I want to say a couple of things before we get into what we're going to talk about, because this is going to be a sobering discussion. You know, as I, I say often when we do our conscious commentary, sometimes the subjects that we cover have a whimsical tone and sometimes they have a sobering tone. And I uh, I dare say this one will have the latter. But I do hope, like all of the shows, my endeavor is to leave you with something uh, something substantial and uh, important to contemplate in the hopes that we can try to make a better way for ourselves as the human family. 
we're talking about, this is not about Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, actually. And it's not necessarily about suicide. But I want to put this on the record before we go any further. You know, those of us in the alternative media have a tendency to to dive into the fringe aspects of, of uh, news stories, among other things. And I know that there is a lot of discussion, at least a fair amount of discussion of questions, let's just say, surrounding how these two actually died. I'm going to say for the record, this is not, this show will not be about that. Not at all, in fact. Uh, This show will be covering, this particular episode, will be taking a look at mental illness. Because again, uh, the, the, uh, I continue to say alleged, but the uh, it, it is said that each of these individuals suffered from extreme mental illness, including substance abuse, etc. Uh, so for whatever it's worth, again, we're not going to get into the other theories, if you will. But for whatever it's worth, I want I, I figured it would be uh, timely, of course, to discuss how pervasive mental illness is, including suicide startling uh, numbers coming out. And I'm going to get into some of those. But we're not, as as uh, as always, uh, we're not going to tackle these headlines from a surface level, but from a metaphysical perspective, the metaphysics of mental illness. Is there such a thing? I remember interviewing Sean Stone uh, a couple of years ago now about a, a, an event that it happened here in in the United States. And we decided to cover the metaphysics of that event and of events in general. And when I asked him, is there a metaphysics uh, to it? He said, Alexis, there's a metaphysical aspect to everything. I tend to agree. I've always had the sense that beneath the surface of things, what undergirds what we call 3D reality is is an unknown, uh, an X factor, if you will, or uh, that which can't be seen uh, on the physical level. And I'm calling it a component. It could very well be the, the, the infrastructure, the, the, the epicenter of how these things come to light. What we're going to be talking about today, folks, is complex. And again, I want to put on the record, I am not going to share, have this discussion with you to come to a, a conclusion on what is really causing mental illness and moreover how pervasive it is. But rather, I would like to look at a couple of entry points to the possibility that there is a metaphysical component that is gone gone or going largely unlooked at. Uh, so this, again, uh, we're going to approach with questions versus answers in hopes that for anyone that is either suffering from mental illness, know someone that has suffered from mental illness, uh, has, um, and unfortunately, there have been too many who know someone who has committed suicide, or know of someone who knows someone. That's how pervasive it is. By tackling a metaphysical approach, we at least can add that dimension to the discussion. You know, so many discussions have cropped up, obviously, in the last week, uh, based on the suicides, uh, alleged suicides of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. Oftentimes, the mainstream media will use this as impetus to have a a larger discussion, right, about suicide, not only the numbers, but uh, prevention. And we've been hearing a lot about this lately. You know, you hear, and the the thing that I hear constantly, and and I know that there are some great people out there doing great work trying to 
trying to halt or bring slow down this insidious situation. So many people are suffering. Uh, but what we hear often is know the warning signs, right? Of, of someone that we know that may be contemplating suicide. And again, Sure, I do think that is extraordinarily important. But again, there are other levels that I believe deserve equal attention. They're more elusive, harder to get our arms around. But they may, in fact, be if if if, if reality, 3D reality, as we know, it emerges from the unseen, then we'd have to assume that what we see uh, that 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 is where we need to tackle the issue as best we can, getting into the unseen realms, or at least looking into them. How can we use a metaphysical approach to understanding what mental illness is? Before we get into that, I want to I want to just give you some statistics, right? Uh, of course, I, I did a little researching, and we've been hearing more about it in the news lately. But I found a Newsweek article. Uh, this was written back in 2014, which basically says nearly one in five Americans suffers from mental illness each year. This was in 2014. So I actually went to the website of the CDC, the Center for Disease uh, Control, and uh, lo and behold, the tw- I think the last set of statistics they had on numbers was in 2015, which I find interesting. I didn't scour the entire website, but that was those are the numbers I I found. One in five in 2015, actually. Uh, I have to imagine, you know, four, three, four years later, unfortunately, those numbers have become greater. And I don't know. Maybe you all can leave in a, in uh, the comment below comments below. Uh, what kind of stats you're hearing. Nonetheless, it is, as I like to say, ubiquitous, unfortunately. Here's another uh, article that I found just recently. This was an NBC uh, report that said suicide rates are up 30% since 1999, according to the CDC. Uh, Only half of people who died by suicide had diagnosed mental health conditions, which is interesting, which means there is another X factor here. Uh, we, We tend to think that those that commit suicide, uh, that is a, a, you know, a likely uh, outcome based on the fact that they had mental illness. But I suppose there are a cornucopia of reasons why people would decide to take their own lives. So again, I'm going to leave that there. I just, I'll, I'll actually have links to both of these articles in the post that will accompany this, this episode. Here, here are a few more, actually. Uh, this again, according to the CDC, mental illness, and children and teens. It says just over 20% or one in five children have had a seriously debilitating mental disorder. Also, half of all chronic mental illness begins by age 14 and three quarters begin by age 24.8, 25 years old. Again, these are the CDC numbers. I have a feeling they're they're even uh, more startling, but this is where I want to get these numbers. Let's look at some of the various types of mental disorders that they include. Anxiety, which is something, again, that I'm, I'm talking to so many people these days that, that, that feel themselves to have some measure of anxiety. No surprise with the, the pace of, of life these days. We're talking, you know, including social anxiety, panic, and phobias. Of course, there's ADHD, depression, eating disorders, personality disorders, PTSD. 
which we just talked about, PTSD. Hmm. Let me think about that. That came up in a show recently. I think a show that, that's about to come out. Schizophrenia, substance abuse. It goes on. Needless to say, the problem is huge. And uh, or like I uh, like to say, ubiquitous. But again, what is really causing this and why is it so prevalent and apparently on the rise? Let's look at before we get get into the metaphysics of this. Let's keep in mind that when we try to tackle, take take a cause and effect approach uh, for what may result in some form of mental illness, we look at some things. Sometimes we it could be genetic. We we may look at that the the intergenerational or genetic uh, proclivity. Childhood bullying, obviously on the rise. Social media influence, that's come up a great deal these days. Lots of reports on that. Mental, emotional, or physical abuse. Trauma of some of some sort. Undue stress, financial stress, marital stress. And again, going back to the social media, social stress. There are so many. So I wanted to get all that out of the way uh, before we get into my tackling this and I'm pausing because this is this guys is such a tangled web. Whenever you try to get to something that's so important and so uh, embedded in our society and, and trying to get to the root and root it out, we have to really stay open minded because I guarantee you what's happening here does not did not or, or, or did not start begin on the surface, it has a deep root. There are multiple layers and complexities, and needless to say, mysteries. So let's get into it. Uh, now, I'm going to pause here. I'm going to plug this a couple of times because this is important. This is going to be a two-part uh, subject-specific episode. We're going to do two episodes. This is the first, and I'm happy to say that next week for our full-length guest interview of Higher Journeys, we're going to be bringing on two individuals that I know will have a lot to share on the metaphysics of mental illness. And that's none other than Jay Widener, who is renowned for his research in uh, alchemical principles, hermetics, etc. He's going to be coming on, he graciously accepted to, to come on and talk about it, along with the author of the book Dispelling Watiko, Paul Levy, has amazing things to say generally about Watiko, which is considered, it's a, actually a Native American term that means uh, sort of a, a virus of the mind or, or, or a psychotic virus that he feels and his his hypothesis is plaguing the planet. He he wrote a stellar book, did a stellar job on dispelling Watiko. And I actually had him on a little over a year ago to talk about that. So I thought it would be great to bring them together. And they both know each other and know each other's work. So I think it's going to be powerful. So, you know, I'm putting out some questions here. Perhaps they will have a little bit more. I think they have a great deal more invested in researching in this area. So they'll be coming on next week, just so you know. I'm going to bring it up again before we close down today. Uh, so, uh, and I'm hoping that they'll be listening to the to the show, our conscious commentary, so they can weigh in from the perspective that I'm coming from. Let's get right into it. You know, it's interesting because as I, these ideas come to me, and obviously the impetus for wanting to do this show was uh, were these two untimely deaths of uh, both Spade and Bourdain. And it's interesting because I thought even after hearing about the Kate Spade news, I thought, hmm, 
I've been kind of wanting to do something like this, looking at, because mental illness, again, is so prevalent. I have a couple of relatives that suffer from forms of mental illness, and I've really racked my brain trying to figure out what is going on underneath the surface. So I thought about doing a show like this before. Um, and then, of course, the, the Kate Spade news. And then two days later, after the Anthony Bourdain news, I thought, okay, we've got to do this. Got to do this. Let me say something else before we get into this. There's just so much, so much meat to this. Uh, these are two high profile individuals. So obviously, you know, the stories surrounding them uh, have been wall to wall. But I also want to say, and I and I have compassion for them and their families, but I have compassion for the thousands, if not millions of individuals and families that have been affected by this. We hear about the big names, yes. But they're our neighbors, our friends, our own family. Okay, if Spade and Bourdain and others that have committed suicide or, or you know, alleged, allegedly, uh, bring it to the fore, bring it to our attention to to try to understand and and solve eventually great but i would be remiss if i did not acknowledge the cornucopia of individuals that you do not know we do not know their names who are suffering and do not get this attention so this is for all of you this is why we're doing this not for kate spade and and, and anthony uh, bourdain as much as we wish their journey wherever well and certainly wish the healing to their families. This is for everyone that's affected. And I dare say most, if not all of you listening are affected in some way or another, one way or another. Okay. Had to get that out of the way. So as I was preparing to do this, I, I started thinking, okay, where do I begin to tackle something so incredibly uh, complex? Where do I begin? And so as, as you know, I got a few numbers for you, some statistics just to kind of set the stage here. But uh, it, it dawned on me, you know, go back and listen to that interview that you did with with Neil Kramer. We had two fantastic interviews uh, back in April, maybe even March, and then into, into April that I'm going to, to link. Uh, I really think they are apropos here, particularly the second one we did, which was entitled Shadow Mapping, Shadow Mapping and the True Spiritual Path. That one was back in April. And I listened to that interview and I thought, you know, there's some things that I can pluck out of there that Neil said that are applicable to what we're talking about. We're talking about, again, what are some of the less obvious underpinnings associated with mental illness? Let me read a quote that I got from Carl Jung, and then I'm going to go back to something that Neil said that may that I think will open up the conversation for this first what I'm going to call entry point into exploring the metaphysics of this phenomenon. Here's the young quote. He says, the foundation of all mental illness is the unwillingness to experience legitimate suffering. Let me say that again. The foundation of all mental illness all is the unwillingness to experience legitimate suffering. When I saw that quote, it immediately made me recall the second interview I did with Neil because he tackled, in a, in a manner of speaking, he uh, pretty much said the same thing. Here's his quote, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. He said, quote, this is Neil Kramer, quote, shadow mapping is the appreciation that truth brings pain. 
Most people are not prepared to live truthfully because they are ill-equipped to deal with the disturbance that it brings. Let's see. You see where I'm going here? First of all, let me quickly define, well, he's defining shadow mapping. Shadow mapping or looking at the shadow, the darker sides of ourselves, of which we all have to some extent. But in this regard, we're talking about uh, forms of mental illness and being willing to map it if one can. I know that some forms of mental illness are so, uh, I don't know, they're, they're so destructive that you can't even think to to map it. But in some cases, I'm talking about people that are aware that they've got uh, some form of mental illness and want to try to heal it. And both are basically saying that the tendency to be unwilling to approach what is going on, which is legitimate suffering, as Young said, Neil says, uh, people are ill ill-equipped to deal with the disturbance that it brings. I think in this case, we were talking about trauma, or we went into to trauma. So the first thing I think that both of them are saying, and this does have sort of a metaphysical approach to it, is that we're really the source of the healing by having the wits about us to acknowledge the illness and go right into it. Uh, Neil also discussed the the, the the phoenix, you know, uh, the phoenix rising and the destroy the destruction aspect associated with the phoenix, which gets into sort of alchemical uh, an alchemical approach. This is, guys, I have to tell you, this is totally. I'm I'm pro- probably speaking out of school here because I'm not well read in this area, but I get the basic concepts. Uh, so so let's get into one of the entry points that I'm going to bring in here. And that is the alchemical, the initiatory aspects of suffering, and how from an alchemical perspective, and I, al- I believe also a hermetic perspective, and Jay can certainly clarify this for me, part of the initiation uh, into a more evolved state is to be willing to go into the most dire uh, scenarios of pain, whether physical, emotional, psychological, and confront them in order to alchemize or transmute them, that is considered some form of initiation of which dissolution can result. Neil feels that that is a very long process. He, he seemed to be very sort of um, uh, adamant about the, the a number of years that this might take. I don't know, obviously. He, he was talking some, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 years when one decides to map the, the shadow, the, the, the pain, the trauma, and do it as uh, a form of um, discipline. I don't know. But I do think this is interesting. Uh, so from an alchemical perspective, my understanding is that pain and suffering, which seems to be par for the course of being human, part of the human condition, is not necessarily looked at as bad, but rather an opportunity to master shifting one element to another, shifting pain into pleasure or bliss, whatever word you want to use, pain into unpain. <laughs> but most people, as with the young quote, Carl Jung 
Smith's quote, as well as Neil, are clear to say that humans are loath to take on that challenge. So the, the intimation is that part of evolution, this is how I'm interpreting it, part of evolution is for, for suffering in whatever form, in this case, we're talking about mental illness to be set before us. This is the plan, right? I guess, in order to test our psychic muscle to be able to move through it and transmute it. I wrote in my book, Conscious Musings, back in 2014, we are the alchemists. We have the ability to turn metal into gold. This is what the alchemists did. We have that built in, but apparently it's gone dormant. Isn't this something to think, as heinous as this seems, that the misery that people are suffering and the fact that it's actually getting more prevalent may be a signal this is just a question I'm putting out there, but a signal from the universe to say, I know that you can take this on. I'm going to throw as much trauma and stress and depression and anxiety at you as I can so that you can confront it, run right at it. And the moment you do with, with all of your psychic might, it will immediately be transmuted into its opposite. This is a very alchemical principle. I have pondered this for years, not, of course, not uh, with mental illness necessarily, but with all of the pain that the human goes through. Why? What is this for? I have this sense that there is purpose with all things. But it's up to the individual to decide what that purpose is. Could it be that the pain that each and every one of us go through on one level or another is put there, who knows, maybe on some level by us in order to take our abilities out of dormancy, our alchemical abilities, and be able to literally change reality, including our mental illness. I know this to some of you may be a, a bit of a stretch, and you can, you can hear the question in my voice. I hope you can, because I'm not at all saying this is why we have pain. God knows nobody wants trauma or pain. And yet it is there. It is living side by side with us each and every day, it seems. There's got to be something constructive we can do with it. Let me give another example that came to mind as I was sort of pondering how on earth I was going to approach this particular episode. And that has to do with shamanic journeying. Again, something that I am not necessarily uh, uh, well-schooled in, but certainly have heard enough about it, have read enough about it to get a sense or a cons- uh, get a consensus for, uh, or hearing the consensus of other people that have had, uh, let's say, ayahuasca experiences, trips. I have heard more times than not that in one's journey through a shamanic, uh, or in this case, let's talk about the ayahuasca state. And Graham, Graham Hancock has talked about this. Neil, I believe, has alluded to the fact that more times than not, what will happen in this state is part of this, uh, this, this alternate reality that one seems to find themselves in during this, this, this state, altered state, is that they're confronted by a hideous beast some sort of incomprehensible, ugly beast, ugly looking, 
mean, threatening to destroy. And I have heard that in some cases, probably in most, that when the individual that's going through the experience decides to confront the beast, it immediately dissolves and turns into a beautiful butterfly or a flower. I don't know. I'm just giving a general example. But do you know what I'm talking about? If there's anyone out there that has done ayahuasca or has had some sort of similar uh, uh, experience, even through the dream state, I've heard of this, in which the hideous beast will present itself as if to say, come on, I'm not really real, but you've got to lose the fear and confront me. And then I will be your ally. I want to hear from you on that. So let me know. So I bring that up to say that this is, again, another one of those kind of taking off from Young and Neil's comment uh, in the context of mental illness, looking at mental illness as the beast, right? Because I know it is a torment. It has to be. I'm fortunate that I have not gone through such a thing, but I certainly know quite a few individuals that have and that are. And it's pure torment driving some of them to commit suicide. I do have compassion. But thinking of the mental illness as that beast, if one could muster the strength to run right at it, how, you know, the, the mechanics of that are a whole nother thing entirely that I'm certainly not prepared uh, or schooled enough to get into. But however one would do that to be able to just run right at it and say, you're not real. I'm not afraid of you. Neil goes into the idea of just simply uh, asking the question, why am I going through this? He says that that's the first step, really, in the, in the confrontation and confronting. Just the question, why is it that I'm having such a hard time? Why do I have mental illness in this case? First step. And then being willing to run right at it, as if to say you're not really there. Does that make sense? I'm oversimplifying, God knows. But I just want to just open this up for discussion. So so that's one perspective. I'm going to look at my time here. I knew I'd go over, but I hope you all are getting something out of this. Let's let's quickly go into this. Actually, before I do this, let's go into uh, Dispelling Watiko by Paul Levy, the second guest that we're going to be having on along with Jay Widener uh, next week. And this amazing book that, um, oops, sorry about that for that noise. I want to grab this book. This is a book that uh, I believe was written, I'm guessing, about probably about three or four years ago. So compelling. Sting, the famous Sting, uh, has endorsed it. He says the world would be a better place if everyone read this book. I agree. It's heavy stuff. We've defined Watiko, so I'm not going to go through that again. But I want to read a quote from the book in which he says, Paul Levy says, the part of us that thinks we don't have a mad, meaning insane, the part of us that thinks we don't have a mad part is itself our mad part. It is only by confronting what is insane and inhuman in ourselves, however, that we become truly human. Do you see a theme here? I've taken three very different quotes, although I will say that Paul Levy has studied, uh, he, I would call him a young, young, a student of Jungian psychology. But the theme is the same, confronting, completely confronting as a step in the alchemical process to dissolution, 
of which there are many, 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 many steps. And according to Neil, many years to to dissolve. But I wanted to add that in before we go into the second the second uh, entry point. I would say that has a metaphysical, uh, there's a metaphysical approach to that for sure. Let's now talk about, and and I'm, I'm not going to spend as much time on this because we're going to wind up and, and get ready for next week with Jay and Paul, because that's going to be amazing. I'm so excited to get their, their very uh, learned way in on this. Another idea, and let's not take an either or approach, perhaps the 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 underpinning that's given rise to mental illness is multifold or multidimensional. I think we said that earlier. And this is far more, I suppose, controversial and maybe even conspiratorial on a metaphysical level. And that's the archonic or demonic influence. Is there a curse on humanity? Question mark, question mark. I hope Jay and Paul get a chance to listen to this before we get on the air next week, because I want to ask them both that, particularly Jay, because he's done yeoman's work and researching to the to the extent one can the uh the archons of our ages which are uh replete in many ancient texts and have been have gone by many names i'm just going to touch on it here but uh we've looked at more of an alchemical perspective now let's look at uh the the infiltration of this planet and moreover of humanity by those who would be considered malevolent in their intent, the archonic or demonic influence. I've wondered, I don't know that how, I don't know that we could ever prove that, but I do think that there is something, again, another X factor that is so outside of our scope of understanding and yet perhaps omnipresent that we need to acknowledge. Again, this is probably more of the glass half empty approach. I like the archonic, I'm sorry, archonic, oh my God, the alchemical a lot more because it means that we have the ability to shift, uh, to, to, to change the circumstances based on our will. But maybe, who, who are those demons that we're seeing? Those, those hideous creatures that some see in, on their shamanic journeys, are those the archons? <laughs> Again, oversimplifying these hideous creatures that are out to eat us. And I'm not being funny. I'm de- Is this a test of will? There's something interesting going on here, guys. And most importantly, what I hear from these journeys, right, of those individuals that were in these realms for a period of time through their, their shamanic sojourns, were that if they could muster the strength to confront the beast would disappear or transmute into something benevolent are those archons. Does this add credence to the idea that we live in a reality that is more or less uh, illusory? I just, you know, I don't know. I think that this is something that we need to be thinking about. And as to how we can apply these ideas or these questions to trying to get us closer to solving this. I don't know, but I do think the question needs to be asked and maybe just a shift, slight shift in focus may get us one step closer to solving the issue of mental illness. One other thing I want to say about this, this archonic influence, I know Jay's going to talk about this at, at great length. I'm going to ask him to. 
You know how you, you'll hear of individuals, particularly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this has come up with the recent uh, suicides of, of, of Spade and Bourdain. Oh, well, you know, she had her demons or he had his demons. Where'd that come from? She had her demons. Question mark, right? These phrases and 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 uh, euphemisms even that are used over the years typically have uh, an origin. So I wonder, one thing I know for sure is we better get our arms around this, whether we decide to take a metaphysical approach, a surface approach, a combination thereof. It's like, uh, it's medicine, right? Some people say, I'm just going to go alternative. I'm going to go with holistic and you know, uh, allopath- uh, allopathic, I'm sorry, homeopathic, or I'm going to go allopathic and, and just go, you know, according to what my doctor says. I like to, to think of it as a, a synthesis of both. Let's look from if we are multidimensional, our reality is multidimensional, why not take a multidimensional approach to something that I dare say is time to go away. Too many people are suffering. Is it necessary? Do we hold the key to healing? I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. Okay, I'm going to wind it down there. I think I've given you all enough to chew on. And as I said, I will have some links uh, associated with the post that you can find on higherjourneys.com. I'm going to see if I can find some more links, maybe even some, uh, some links to some some uh, articles or blog posts that that handle that that kind of look at the metaphysical uh, approach. I haven't found that much. You will find this sort of uh, aspect, let's just say, and some of some of your older texts. Texts, I dare say, Young has covered uh, covered this in a manner of speaking uh, in some of his books, some of his volumes. So. Let's see. This is this is a conversation that absolutely deserves to keep going. And and again, this is about looking, kicking the tires, looking underneath the hood to see what is really going on. What is the true nature of reality? If we don't know it right now, I fervently believe that we are entitled to know because we are of it. And that's what Higher Journeys is all about. So I hope you will join me on this continued journey. As always, I thank you. So, so truly humbled uh, for all of you and you're taking this journey with me. I also want to say thank you to to all of you that came up to me uh, that were out at Contact in the Desert to introduce yourself and say hi. It was so exciting. I want to give a special shout out to Anna. Uh, Anna, if you're listening, I met Anna just before I introduced uh, Grant Cameron, I believe. Anna's been listening for quite some time. She she did a road trip. I don't know if you're back yet, Anna, but uh, back at the homestead. But I hope you had a wonderful trip and a, an incredible journey. And it was such a pleasure meeting you. So thanks to everyone that, that came out and said hello. And I hope I get to see you again. Okay, I'm looking at this clock. I went over, but I hope it was well worth it for all of you. Stay tuned next week. Do not go anywhere, guys. Next week, Jay Widener, Paul Levy, we will continue the discussion on the metaphysics of mental illness. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon. I'm Alexis Brooks.